Hi there, and welcome to The Wellbeing Room. I'm your host, Leo Cooper, from the Centre of Key. In this podcast, you'll hear stories of my own wellbeing journey, and you'll be meeting some special people along the way who'll be sharing their stories too. As you listen, I hope you'll get inspired to improve your own well-being and get more out of life. So welcome back to the Wellbeing Room. Thank you so much for joining us today. In the studio with us today is Rosalie Rasmussen. Now, Rosalie is an orthopedic massage therapist and well-being practitioner who lives near Darrington in Washington State. Now, I didn't really know where this was when I first met Rosalie 18 months ago, so I did do a little Google search and found out that it's, it's somewhere in America, of course, <laughs> in a lovely region where there's lots of mountains, I believe. So Rosalie enjoys backpacking, gardening, and teaching volunteers how to maintain trails in the National Forest there. She's passionate about helping people continue to do the activities they love without being afraid of their bodies. And that's something we will talk about in a moment. Now, like I said, I've had the pleasure of meeting Rosalie prior to this interview. Um, We've actually been meeting on a weekly basis as co-working buddies for about 18 months or so. And in our sessions together, we share a bit about the things that we're working on. And Rosalie is usually writing something for her blog, for her business, the massage business. And I've always found her take on health, fitness and well-being really interesting and holistic and aligned with my way of thinking as well. So I've asked her to be a guest today on the Wellbeing Room so she can share with us some of her insights relating to massage and well-being uh, and especially in relation to pain and recovery from injury. So welcome Rosalie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much Leah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, happy to be having this conversation. Yeah great, so um, I was reading your bio uh, recently for in preparation for this interview and I noticed that it said that you've worked on the Forest Service Trail crew which is now you volunteer train people I assume to do work on that but you've also worked um, down at the South Pole Station in Antarctica which is um, a very long way away from where you currently live so I'm just wondering if you could tell us a bit about you know what what drew you to Antarctica how long you stayed there for and, and what kind of work you did down there. What drew me? Uh, adventure, adventure. I, I had actually heard about it years before and and uh, I thought, oh, I couldn't go that long without eating fresh vegetables. And then at some point I was like, you know, even if it's just terrible and I'm miserable the whole time, I'll survive and I will have done it. So that's what drew me down there. I, yeah. I heard about it because I was working on the National Forest uh, Trail crew and as a seasonal job, people are often looking for seasonal work for the winter and the Antarctic summer is our winter. So it was mm. complimentary to that. Yeah. So how yeah. long did you and end up staying down there for? I was down there for two summer seasons. So a relative uh, short timer. My, my uh, husband, the man who is my husband now, um, I met him down there and he'd been down there for 14 seasons. So wow. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and as far as work, um, I it most of the jobs are construction related. So I was doing kind of unskilled construction work. Uh, I was shoveling snow for my first several weeks, and um, and then I also uh, did massage therapy work on the side outside of my working hours. Uh, it's a neat community. It's pretty 
tight community, easy, easy to get to know people and, you know, make friendships that last for a long time. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't realize you'd met your husband down there. <laughs> that's a really cool story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excellent. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. All right. So, so coming back to the work that you do, I'm interested if you could tell us more about how you came to do the massage, the, the massage work that you do. Yeah. Um, well, I, several transitions over time. There was first just kind of deciding to get into the massage field. And then there was kind of the, the honing over years of going into the particular um, the particular part of massage that that attracts me and that I find interesting because massage is actually a really huge field. You can go a lot of different directions with it. Mm, yeah. So, um, so what I do is is specifically I, what fascinates me is um, persistent pain, and it, it's it has such a big impact in people's um, lives and. Uh, you know, it's very frustrating, mm. especially, you know, when it gets bad enough, you, you maybe have a solution in terms of having surgery or something like that. Um, but if it's, if it's just irritating and there doesn't seem to be anything that surgery would help, then you really don't have a path forward. No, I, um, yeah. And, you know, whether or not surgery seems helpful, uh, it, it can still help, um, whether surgery takes place or doesn't take place. Anyway, so so I got into I got into the field of massage. Partly, I think it was just a um, uh, in my blood because my my dad's a chiropractor and his parents were chiropractors. Yeah. Um, so I was considering becoming a chiropractor, but uh, I thought um, it would make sense for me to decide whether I wanted to work with people in a healing capacity first and um, massage school was a lot smaller investment and mm. then as I went along uh, I just found that I preferred the um, the what feels to me like more time for a deeper connection uh, in massage work than in chiropractic work mm. so I guess I it did to put it simply I fell I fell in love with uh touch and the power of touch and the effect it has on living human beings and then later became drawn to orthopedic massage specifically to help people with persistent pain yeah so and that's you... partly also because I had some persistent pain of my own oh, okay yeah 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 so can you tell us a bit more about the the area of orthopedic massage because that's something I think many people necessarily know what that actually means yeah and you know, I, with with massage, there's all these terms that you know are they mean something to us when we get certified in them, but they don't really mean anything to any, anybody else. But um, the, so the field of orthopedics is the field of uh, of movement, um, the and and the systems of the body that that make movement happen. So um, so orthopedic massage focuses on um, movement disorders, rather unsurprisingly, I suppose, versus say, for instance, medical disorders, which might be something more like um, diabetes or some systemic kind of thing, mm. um, or not necessarily systemic. Anyway, um, yeah, and I, 
I think that the activities we do, whether they're work activities or whether they're our recreational activities, uh, give meaning to our lives. And mm -hmm. if we're limited in being able to do those activities, we, um, you know, we don't get to show up in the world or, or do the things that nourish us or, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's where a lot of frustration comes for people as well when they're experiencing pain or limited movement. It's that frustration of not being able to do the things that they could do, you know, six months ago, six years ago or whatever. And that's, and that's a real problem. Yeah. So it's a physical yeah. problem that eventually, eventually leads to a mental health issue as well, because, you know, they're feeling bad about not being able to do those things that they could do before. So yeah. does that ring true for you and your clients? Is that... Definitely. I mean, it's, it, I wouldn't, I, I couldn't separate the, um, the mental and physical disturbance because, uh, you know, when, when we can't move a part of our body, it just, it, it's so frustrating. And, and one of, so one of my early experiences with my own persistent pain mm. that I think has informed me a lot moving forward is, just that when a part of my body was in pain, it was it was really um, hard to separate just the unpleasant sensations and fear. So there's always an element of fear about, you know, oh, how long is this gonna last? Mm -hmm. Or if I move like this, am I doing some damage? Um, and yet, um, Yet I actually had moments when I could when I could just feel the sensation in my body and not feel the fear around the sensation, and it was profound how um, how putting the fear like in a different you know yeah. getting getting the fear out of there yeah. um, made the actual sensation so much smaller. Mm. Yeah, so much more manageable. That's a so, really good point. Mm. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and also like, it's interesting. It doesn't have to be pain either. Like there's just, there's just kind of sensations that we experience with activities we do say being bent over gardening or whatever, that it kind of makes our minds slide off of wanting to do that. It's kind of like, Oh, I could go out and weed the beets maybe in a bit after I, you know, check my email yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I can relate to that. It was like when I take the compost bucket outside, I'm like, oh, you know, it means I've got to shovel something. It's like, mm. <laughs> and I know that's going to affect my lower back. <laughs> it just demotivates yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and so when you feel good, it's like there's so much more verb, like, yeah, I want to go out and garden. And you can mm. just really get to get into it and enjoy it. And it's just, um, you know, so much more connecting and uplifting yeah and that actually leads me to another question I wanted to ask you which is about because I know you you talk a lot about um doing functional movement um and I just you just sort of sprigged me when you talked about the gardening thing it's like so so maybe you can talk us through a bit about your understanding and your practice of working with people to improve their functional movement so for instance the gardening idea of you know like so what movements do we need to practice to improve our ability to do the gardening I think that's kind of 
right. where it's going, isn't it? <laughs> is that, is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, um, and this kind of leads into my, uh, my more recent in enthusiasm in learning about uh, fitness training hmm. and, um, and it's sort of like, to me, it's the other side of the coin with massage therapy, you can affect somebody's body and nervous system through touch, which is cool and can have profound effects, but people can also affect themselves uh, by putting stresses through their body. And that, mm. that, I mean, I could just go on and on <laughs> about that, but that reshapes the body. And mm. so, um, so when we talk about functional movement, it's, um, it's like the difference between um, doing, oh, like a biceps curl or something, which is movement, mm. but might not necessarily relate that well to um or or using um machines in a gym where you're sitting down and you're isolating one part of your body like doing mm -hmm. leg extension to isolate your quadriceps um whereas functional movement is things like um, kneeling down to tie your shoe or being bent over in the garden or lifting up your grandchild or um getting up out of a chair mm -hmm. or um you know, even, even climbing a tree or climbing a mountain. Yeah. Um, and so what, what makes those functional is that they're, um, they're complex, they mirror life activities, they're generally done in uh, standing positions or the position that the movement will actually be done in. So yeah. um, an activity, <clears throat> like, let's say, gardening, which you could do that different ways, but you think about a couple of tip, typical gardening tasks. One would be um, hip hinging into a forward bend. So you can mm. either um, weed, weed beets or harvest beets or <laughs> yeah. do all of the million things you need to do uh, in a forward bend while you're gardening. Yeah. Um, so you could work with the forward bend position. And so one way to, to work with that um, to increase your tolerance for how long you could do a forward bend might be to, um, to uh, pick up some weight, which is, which is deadlifting in, uh, in weight training fitness, yeah. Yeah. pick up some weight and then, and then let your hip hinge bring you upright. So mm -hmm. you're isolating the feeling of work into your hamstrings. And then if you do that, you know, repeatedly, yeah. then you increase your hamstrings resilience and and lengthening ability and stuff like that and yeah. an, and so another if I might yeah, go please. on for another, <laughs> please do. another big one is um you know uh it's it's common for people to kind of lose the ability to to do something like kneeling down to tie their shoe mm. because um when you think about that position kneeling down on one leg then you have to stand up again. Like mm. that's, that's a single leg squat yeah. where you're putting your entire body weight on one leg yeah. where your knee is in a, in, in a pretty acutely flexed position. Mm. And then, and then asking your body to have the strength and power to bring you back upright. Yeah. Well, how many times do you do that deep of a squat on one leg? Mm. So it's, it's really no wonder that that ability gets, um, gets so difficult for people. 
practice it, you know, yeah. keep, keep doing that and keep add, add load to it so that your body can, um, can do those kinds of things when you're 70 years old or yeah I mean I know a lot of older people get you know trouble getting out of chairs and things like that and I know especially my dad when he was getting older that was a real struggle for him to to get out of a chair um yeah and I know they make a lot of chairs these days for older people where they're sort of mechanical and they can sort of lean the chair moves forward to help you actually get up out of the chair so I guess what you're saying is that if we do specific exercises that use those muscle groups in those positions to continue that, build that, continue that, sorry, I'll start again, to <laughs> to build that strength and functionality and keep that in the body rather than letting it deteriorate. Is that kind of what you're saying? Right, yeah. exactly. Because I, I hear a lot of people like when they, when they get uh, creaky and they go, oh you know they get up mm. out of their chair or whatever and then they'll say something like well I'm getting old it's like you're not old you're just deconditioned <laughs> you can change that yeah yeah and yeah. I think that's a lot that's a lot of mindset work that needs to be done in that regard too you know because a lot of people just accept that you know I'm getting old it's going to be harder and and we do like our bodies do deteriorate over time um you know we're yeah, living a lot longer than when we used to so um it's expected that things will sort of start to fall apart, but there's obviously ways we can maintain our health as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think to me, like um, uh, one of my missions or passions is just helping people understand how much power and control they have to affect that. Mm. Um, You know, it just, it seems like there might be a bit of a tendency to uh, sort of, fatalistically accept an inevitable trajectory mm. rather than rather than like saying oh well I don't like this so I'm gonna change it I'm gonna do something about it yeah yeah actually you've got a really good blog post you wrote about aging and and that prompted me to do a blog uh sorry a podcast on called um grace aging gracefully so <laughs> yeah so we talk I know you talk a lot about that as well and so I'll put links to some of those blog posts that might interest some of our listeners too. Um, but I want to get back to the massage therapy because I think it's a really interesting thing where a lot of people see, you know, I need to get a massage and it's like, oh, I've got sore muscles or, you know, and they really want people to kind of push into these muscles and like, oh, that feels so good, but it's actually really painful. Um, but, you know, like you mentioned before, it's actually a lot to do with the nervous system as well. And, and for myself, having studied shiatsu massage um, therapy, I know that it's also about connecting to the nervous system and trying to relax the nervous system rather than overstimulate it. So I'm just wondering if you can explain your approach as far as how you apply pressure in a massage and, and what your, you know, what the theory is behind that or the thinking behind that. Yes. Um, I kind of think it boils down a little bit to whether, whether a person's thinking about the body just kind of being, you know, uh, um, um, a model that we live in that can be affected like a machine or a bit of clay, mm. you know, so we just push on it and, and push it into the position we want it to be in. And, um, and I think that thinking kind of leads more in the direction of like, yeah, I'll just push on it and that will lengthen the tissues and then they won't be short and tight and painful. Mm. Um, but I don't think that works because the body is a sensitive living being. 
Mm. And as a sensitive living being, um, it needs to be cared for and it will respond to you based on what you're offering it. And um, if you're offering it like a lot of force, resistance, it will just have to resist back. Mm. So you just, you end up with, with, you know, me pushing, you pushing back and me pushing. And in the process, there's a lot of sensation. And mm. I think it's because there's so much sensation evoked from that, that people get the idea that it's effective. Mm. And also because for a little while, it feels better because when you push on tissue that's um, uh, contracted, uh, that tissue is not getting good blood flow. When you push on it, you move some fluid around. So yeah. um, the fluid movement, you reduce the pain and it lasts for a little while. But, mm. but, but I think what's really wanted is um, first and foremost, safety. Like for the body to feel the touch and to feel safe accepting that touch. So mm. I think to just pause and kind of ask permission, you know, here I am, is this okay? Uh, and the, it doesn't take long. The body says, oh, okay, mm. you seem safe. Mm. And I always, especially if somebody is particularly tense, like I kind of have a little dialogue that I run in my mind. It's like, hello, I'm harmless. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to tell you what to do. Mm. Do you want to here? Let's have a look at this. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. So it's kind of like you're having a conversation with the person's energy, energetic body, physical. Yeah. Yeah. The muscles. Yeah. 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 You could say energetic. I, I, I don't necessarily draw any distinction between the energetic and the phys physical. I mm -hmm. picture the nervous system as being, um, you know, a, a very sensitive creature. Mm. and it lives inside of us and um, mm. we have our own kind of conscious ideas you know about our needs abilities and whatnot and the nervous system has its needs and mm. um, yeah 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 it's really interesting I wish I I wish I lived near you so I could receive a massage from you sometime <laughs> yeah yeah that would be neat on, on the other side of the world anyway um so so, so I like that idea of you having this sort of inner dialogue as you approach someone and, and work with their body. Um, so what do people come away with after receiving a treatment from you? Like what's, what changes? Mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'd really like to know that, you know, I mean, you know what people tell you. Mm. Um, you know what you see in their eyes and uh, and I've never had a massage from me I'd like <laughs> to do that someday um, but what I imagine based on what I've heard and what I see is that they um, that they feel really cared for in a in a complete way um, I think that yeah, I think they feel like seen 
I think that we all have kind of this craving to feel seen and cared for and safe. Mm. And that comes, that comes forward. Um, and they also feel less pain. Yeah. You know, not all the time, uh, but a good, a good amount of the time. Um, and over time, they seem to learn ways to, uh, not have that pain sometimes it takes longer than others um like for instance uh and and you're always meeting somebody where they're at so you like I might suggest that somebody do something with their body like say do a shoulder circle Mm -hmm. um and for some people that's going to end up being more of a mechanical rote kind of activity and for other people they might um, bring into it what I encourage, which is a bit more like moving your awareness into that part of the body and just seeing how much sensation and information is available when you go through that. Because like, let's say a person's having shoulder pain and mm. we do shoulder circle as, 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 as something that they can take with them, because I always think it's important that somebody has um, you know, a, a, a pathway when mm. their shoulders bothering them, besides just calling me up again, you know, I, yeah. I, I want to give tools mm. um, so they can, uh, you know, explore things themselves. And, and, and to me, um, the idea of exploration is, is pretty central. Exploration is a real central idea for me, because when people have, have pain, they get in this place of, you know, thinking about fixing it, thinking about, you know, doing things right so they don't hurt it Mm. Um, and and just being really careful or avoiding activities. And so exploration, uh, like it gets us away from like trying to pinpoint that one thing, sort of like, Mm. um, like we got to blame somebody. So, so, um, so who are we going to lay the blame on here? Shoulder. Um, and really it's just the shoulder, it's, it's, it's a, it's a whole bunch of relationships. So we're just kind of like getting to know the relationships in the shoulder, our relationship with the shoulder. And if you, if you explore, like say, if you explore motion, motions that are painful and pain-free, um, instead of just holding something immobile, you can begin to move it and just, you know, don't get caught up in there being pain, but just notice like, oh, okay. Well, when my, I move my shoulder up like that, then that's where that pain starts. So what else is going on? And if I back it off just a hair, is the pain mm. still there? Yeah. There it is again. But if I move my shoulder back, is it still there? Did it go away? just you know kind of playing Mm, yeah I like that idea Uh, yeah so it sounds like what you're saying is just just bringing that awareness into the particular area where there's the pain or the issue going on and just exploring that through very small incremental movements and going to a certain point and then backing off a bit and yeah and just really feeling because I think a lot of us when we do have an injury, we either freeze the joint up and try not to move it at all, or um, I mean, we just sort of 
be a bit more, bit more aggressive with it, you know, rather than trying to approach it gently. We just, oh, you know, I'll do, do that. And it's like, oh, no, that really hurt, you know. So, yeah, it's sort yeah. of those two extremes. So you're kind of creating this sort of middle path perhaps of exploration. Yeah, thinking about developing the relationship with it instead of, um, you mm. know, cutting off the relationship with Shit, it. Yeah. And, yeah. and so what's fascinating is, um, you know, if you take a basic anatomy physiology course, you will learn that um, every skeletal muscle is, theoretically anyway, under voluntary control. Mm. So just think about that for a second. Like every skeletal muscle, that, that means everything except for your heart and intestines, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, your organs. That's the word I was looking for. Um, <laughs> So if every skeletal muscle is under voluntary control, then how is it that it's not uncommon to have shoulders that are so tight that they hurt? Mm. So think about the power of awareness. Just like if you just practice that mm. control, it's possible. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. You just have to work on the relationship. Yeah, work out how to connect with it. I mean, that's like I've been doing face yoga now for a few years and, you know, just learning how to use the muscles in my face and do a different stretches. And it's like, Oh, you know, like you don't often think about that, you know, that you have muscles in your face that you can use, but you can once you practice and sort of get to know them a bit better. So definitely you could, I can definitely see the relationship there now to the shoulders and, you know, Oh, okay. So I can actually voluntarily control my shoulder muscles yeah. and, and things like that. Mm. Yeah. And you know, what helps control is having more sensation. Mm. Um, so movement gives us more sensation and then that gets back to massage too, because like having somebody else touch a part of your body, particularly if they're touching it in a sensitive way, yeah. that doesn't make you feel like you need to guard yourself from them. Mm. Um, then it really allows you to feel a part of your body. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Wow. That's really interesting. Thank you so much, Rosalie. I'm going to wrap things up now with one last question. So what is one key thing you can share with our listeners that has helped you to the most to improve wellness and get more out of life? Yeah. One thing I would like to share with people is just the idea of exploration. I think it's important that we explore our limits we explore our outer frontier, whether those limits are the limits in our range of motion or because health is a complete life experience and it mm -hmm. touches on everything in our lives, our social life, our, our career satisfaction, um, what we eat, how we move, everything. Like to explore those limits as well. And, um, and sometimes that means kind of coming up against something that's scary and and I think a key point, a key point that's really helped me is realizing that when I, when I'm exploring my limits or when I'm attempting something that's on the, on the edge for me, that scares me is that it is absolutely okay. And in fact, works so much better if I don't just push myself unfeelingly forward with the idea that I have to show up a certain way or do things a certain way or, um, you know, have some level of accomplishment, but it, that if I instead just focus on 
being gentle and loving towards myself. When I encounter my own limit, like maybe there's a tendency to to judge it. It's like, oh, well, you shouldn't have this limit. So mm, yeah. I just I should just push myself because other people don't have this limit. So what's wrong with me? Um, you know, so but to just acknowledge like, oh, well, that's my limit. You know, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to make sense. Mm. And then to just to just love myself, just yeah. like, OK, well, I'm going to I'm going to just see if I can nudge that a little bit with a little curiosity, yeah. but without an expectation or an agenda. So self-love as you go forward and explore your frontier. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. And that's, that's a recurring theme on this podcast for sure. So yeah, I love that idea. And it's that gentleness because I think, you know, self-love is important, but, but that extra level of gentleness, um, and, and moving forward yeah. with that, not being hard on yourself um, and, and being with that mind of exploration, I think is really important. And that's, you know, enables us to grow more into who we are and, and find deeper levels of health along the way. Yeah. yeah, it allows us to see what's here instead of what we think should be here. And I think if we can clearly and honestly see what's, what's here, instead of our expectations, then we can really change. Mm, wow. Excellent. Thank you so much, Rosalie. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, and I'm sure our listeners have too. So I'll put some links to where they can, you know, read some of your amazing blogs um, uh, in the show notes. And um, yeah, I look forward to co- co-working sessions going into the future. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Leah. It's been a real pleasure. And that's a wrap for this episode of The Wellbeing Room. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you happen to live near Darrington in Washington State, then please visit Rosalie and engage her services for a massage. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. She also has a a blog, which I love reading. You can find it at One Health Massage online. And I'll put a link in the show notes below. So thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, please share it with your family, your friends. And if you happen to be visiting um, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, then please feel free to leave a review as well. You can also find this podcast and leave a comment on our Facebook page, The Wellbeing Room Podcast on Facebook. All right. So until next time, stay well.